Hello, and welcome to Crafting a Revolution, the podcast. My name is Katie Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. Every week, we bring you interviews with makers of all kinds from all over the world that identify as female or non-binary. Today's guest is Robin Ness, and Robin's woodworking journey began in 2017, soon after stepping foot into his first woodshop. Since then, they have spent countless hours of hard work following his woodworking and artistic passions. He's a self-taught woodworker. Uh, he is self-taught woodworker and enjoys exploring different mediums that has helped him develop his creativity and craftsmanship skills. Since starting their small business, they have taken on many commissions. He continues to work to grow his business, not just with woodworking, but also with other art mediums, such as photography, painting, resin, and more. You can find Robin and his work on Instagram. That is where I found him. Um, and it was great getting a chance to connect with Robin. Robin is the first guest so far. I do plan to have more um, that identifies as uh, trans masculine. Uh, and his pronouns or their pronouns are he, him, and they, them. Um, so it was a privilege to get to talk with Robin and have him share his story, not just with me, but with all of you as well. Uh, before hopping into our conversation together, though, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much, Matthew from Artigiano Serio, both on Instagram and on the internet. Matthew is one of the uh, new, is a new podcast sponsor. So big shout out and thanks to him. And then thank you, Candice, CJ Woodgrain, Lee at Lee Runyon, Annette 513 Woodworks, Katie Thompson, Women of Woodworking, also co-host of the podcast, Kevin Lefty's Woodshop, Christy Twisted Twine, Jeremy Jeremy Spies, Sammy Go Sammy Lee, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Toolmom Bonnie Toolmomstore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Brandy Studio Obey, Lee the Rainbow Carver, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your continued and ongoing support, helping to produce the podcast every week. If you're enjoying the podcast and would also like to um, help out with the podcast, please stick around to the end of the episode and I will share all of that information with you. No further ado, let's head on into the conversation with Robin. Um, well, Robin, I like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. So would you do that for me? Yeah, of course. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Robin Ness. I am the owner, small business owner of RNA Woodworks. Um, I am an artist, a woodworker, photographer, um, and small business owner. And I am also Filipino-American, um, trans, non-binary, or trans-masculine. And yeah, I'm really happy to be here on this podcast and share my story to the best of my abilities. <laughs> awesome. And um, can you share what your uh, pronouns you prefer? Oh, yeah. So my pronouns are they, them, he, him. And um, uh, to put it out there, like... Um, if folks can practice using both they, them, and he, him, and not just one pronoun. Okay. Um, that, that's cool. Okay, awesome, awesome. So I want to, I kind of really want to understand your story of how you got into like woodworking. And you also said like kind of artists. So I don't know if if one comes before the other, or if they're like the same time period, um, but what's that like, you know, story of getting into that? Yeah. Um, all right. So, so that like my mind's like organized, yeah. it would go from being an artist and then getting into like DIYing hobbies, which then translated to woodworking and like creating my small business, which then led me to like, like also 
um, becoming a better photographer. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it was all like a domino effect spanning over a few, like quite a few years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, like to go more into that, um, like since I was a little baby, like I always loved to like draw. And like, I was definitely that kid in the classroom that was like, oh, look what I drew. And like, all the kids are like, oh, shoot, it's SpongeBob and it looks pretty good. <laughs> so um, I've always just like had a knack for uh, creativity and like just getting um, my thoughts and ideas onto a paper so that I could also visually see it. Um, so like fast forwarding to high school, uh, that was the first time my senior year I took um, an AP art course and my teacher was uh, Miss Henry and uh, she was really amazing. She taught me pretty much all the basics that I know um, that really helped me become the artist today because um, she like one being a really cool uh, our art teacher. She was also really kind and like um, in high school, like I was struggling with mental, with my mental health, but um, she like helped me use uh, the art class to like uh, communicate what I couldn't verbally communicate. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, in a way, like art was like like a therapy for me. So then um, I was just like, okay, like I'll make sure to like, keep my creativity in the back of my head, like moving on from that class. And um, yeah, so once I graduated high school, I went to Mesa College and Miramar College, um, pretty much the community colleges in San Diego. And, I haven't heard those um, names in a really long time, but it makes me smile to hear yeah. <laughs> those colleges. <laughs> Just from yeah, like, I haven't been around said, that area. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, whoa, this takes me back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, I remember you had mentioned to me like a long time ago, like probably in a comment, um, that like you had gone to Palomar College. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they have yeah. a really nice like cabinet and furniture um, program there. Yeah. Okay. You should check okay. that out if you haven't yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> it actually translates to what I was going to say. Like, um, yeah, like so in Mesa College and Miramar College, I didn't do anything creative for like the first two years in college because I thought like, oh, like, I don't really know what I want to do with my life. Maybe I'll try out the military. So I tried out ROTC, but like, it's like the ROTC in college. Um, And I tried it out. Like I did the Army and uh, Air Force um, ROTC programs, like in separate years. And I was like, wait, like, this isn't for me. Like, I feel like my individuality is like out the door. And like, I really missed that. So once I got out of uh, like the military mindset, I was like, how can I like use what I know now to help people? So then I went to Miramar College to take an EMT course, which I did over the summer. But um, then again, like once I finished the course, I was like, I don't think this is exactly what I want to do with my, like with my life. So um, this is when I started looking into like Palomar College and like trying to see if San Diego had like a woodworking community or just like area where makers can come together. Um, And then I found it. (laughs) However, it was like super hyper masculine, white cis male dominated. I walked in just trying to like get a uh, like a tour. Mm-hmm. And it was like, like, I feel like I'm already try- like being intimidated, just like, oh, what are you here for? Like, I was like, oh, I just wanted to check out the woodworking space, like, if that's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just like, oh, dang, like, this is like stepping into, like, it, I don't know, like, it really had me um, thinking like, oh, how can I become a maker or artist or woodworker? 
in like a super hyper masculine space. I would uh, say like, so. I mean, I totally could feel that vibe. I took, when I took my classes there though, I was taking all night classes because I, you know, worked all during the day. Um, and I should say I started that journey pre-kids um, up until having my first. Uh, and so like, you know, it was like, I didn't have anything to do. So I'll just go take some classes at night. And it was still at nighttime. I don't know what the vibe was during the day, but at nighttime, it was still um, all guys I'm trying to think. I think I was the only female. I don't remember any other women. Um, it was still all guys and, but they were all like, 60s plus like it was all these like retired guys who were just like coming to take classes because they wanted access to like a really cool workshop <laughs> and yeah that's what I heard <laughs> so like a lot of them just treated me I was more dismissed than I was ever necessarily like outwardly like I wouldn't say I had any negative comments ever it was more just like the assumption that like, oh, it's cute that you're doing this kind of thing, if that uh, makes sense, you know, like that kind of attitude. Um, but I made some, like, a couple of really good friends who, and I've talked with other people, like, on the podcast about this idea of, like, finding the ally in those spaces so that they can help, like, take some of the heat for you or kind of, you know, stand in the way. And there was a couple of teachers that weren't the best <laughs> um, that were like hyper-masculine type thing. But that's where I found like, to this day, I'm still in contact with him. Like he wrote a letter of recommendation for me to get into grad school. Like he was amazing. And um, he always actually would seek me out to be like, you know, he enjoyed having women in his classes because he's like, they always pay more attention to detail and they're usually much stronger crafts people than like <laughs> the, the guys that come through. Um, and so he was just like, I don't know. I think I always felt like he went above and beyond to try to be um, a support in those spaces. Um, and I, mean, I really remember he, he threatened to put somebody who was being a jerk, he threatened to put his cell phone through the bandsaw. <laughs> for me oh. so <laughs> hey <laughs> all right yeah <laughs> so I mean it was like if I always try to take classes with him if I could um but I totally can like I guess I feel like your story is very valid because I feel like probably especially during the if you were looking at classes during the day like I feel like was probably much younger crowd and more hyper masculine. Like I, I got told that a lot of people that go through that program, like to get a degree during the day, they're like looking to work at cabinet shops and it's kind of a, I don't know, like a rougher, a, a rougher sort like of group. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I could yeah. totally Dang. Yeah, like, um, so at the time when I was looking at, like, um, courses, like, for woodworking in San Diego, um, that was, like, around 2016, so I was still pre-T, so, like, mm -hmm. I, I hadn't started my medical transition yet, so, like, um, definitely stepping into these spaces, like, um, like, yeah, like, like, at the time, um, I still, I would, at the time I was using um, they, them, and she, her uh, mm -hmm. pronouns and as well as he, him. Um, so like at the time I was just still like very new to even in my like gender identity journey. Yeah. Um, but I just knew like, oh, being in hyper masculine, like cisgender and hetero spaces, it was yeah. super, super uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I could see yeah. that. <laughs> I, I remember yeah, I, like, yeah. I got, yeah, I got, I mean, when I was taking classes there when I got pregnant and um, like one of those classes was a finishing class and 
that was like one, I think it was the only class where it had a female instructor um, oh. who I actually, I really liked her too. I learned a ton from her finishing classes, but she, I remember once like she said something about like, well, don't you know how that happens type of thing, like making a hetero like reference about heterosexual sex. And I was kind of oh, like, gosh. I was kind of like, actually, no, this is an extremely planned out process. Yeah. <laughs> extremely, like, yeah. Expensive process. Cause my wife and yeah. I can't just, you know, like two eggs can't bang together to make a baby. It just doesn't yeah. work. Um, you know, and she like, she apologized all that good stuff. Like she wasn't, you know, mean about it or anything, but it was very much, it was just like, it was assumed. Um, yeah. Which I always found interesting because that's one of the, one of these spaces that I've always felt comfortable being more butch presenting. And so it's like, you know, cause that's, it's like, I'm just wearing workwear, like, and I'm not gonna, yeah. like, I don't, it's not expected for me to wear makeup or like dress in these ways that I've never felt comfortable. So like, it was always interesting to me that it was still assumed, especially once I got pregnant, that I had to be in a relationship with a man. Um, Cause I'm like, no, no, I, <laughs> actually not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. This like, this situation reminds me um, uh, of, something me and my partner experienced literally last weekend. Um, so like I've been with my partner, Jesse, for about, uh, it's gonna be six years uh, in October. Oh, or, wow. or, um, 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, six years. <laughs> I was like, um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have to get this right. <laughs> it's gonna be recorded yeah. forever. You can't get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I was right it yeah. is six years <laughs> this October <laughs> but um yeah like uh so in Hillcrest in San Diego it's like the the queer spot yes. like South San Diego yep. and um we were at this gay bar and we get approached and the dudes like this man is like oh are y'all straight like a hetero couple here in Hillcrest and I was like, the first thing that I said, I was like, oh, no, I'm trans. I'm non-binary. I'm <laughs> way far from, right. like, being straight. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, like, it just, it took me aback. Because I was like, we're in a queer community. And, like, we're still, like, um, like ex experiencing these assumptions. Yes. So, like, yeah, it kind of, yeah, it made me think about, um, like, it was like this one post that uh, I posted on my story and then you posted on your story as well. Yeah, but, the, um, the difference between queer and straight, is that that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just like, yep, everything on here is like, it's factual, <laughs> it's yeah. relatable. Well, you know what's funny about when I posted that to my stories um, after seeing you post it? Um, I, the replies I got, were from straight people in saying like that they really like it resonated with them and it made me really think like something that I've been kind of thinking for a while or that I've heard from other podcasts um like I listened to um we can do hard things with Glennon Doyle and her wife Abby Wambach um and they've talked about often that maybe the fear of like the queer and trans community is because we've found freedom by like stepping outside of these constructs that we were raised in. Um, yeah. We find our own freedom in our own community. Um, and I think that is a reality. And I think maybe that's what was like resonating with some of these straight folks who re who responded was this idea of like pure freedom of choice um mm. and and that resonates as far as like that's maybe what they search for um <clears throat> not also understanding though that 
also being part of the queer trans community to get to that freedom we've had to fight like hell mostly yeah. internally to get to that place of feeling free yeah exactly like um yeah like like the way i think about it is like um the empowerment that i feel just living my truth like it didn't just come out from out of nowhere like that it was yeah. built on it was practice it was um it was really hard to like mm -hmm. keep pushing back and like really thinking about like oh like this is who i am and to be who i am like i have to break down what society has already put in place mm -hmm. like it's it's so hard like on even just like the superficial level um but yeah like 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 even like right now with what's going on um throughout the us with like a whole bunch of anti-trans bills going on when like kids growing up just want to play sports right like yeah like so i i grew up playing uh basketball uh like since elementary all throughout um, high school mm -hmm. and i'm just like like just thinking about like what other trans kids and the trans youth is facing right now i'm just like uh, my heart goes out to them and i really hope that like like with more people like if folks are really resonating with like pushing back on societal standards like like how about we get all of those folks to also push back on the standards for trans youth you know right yes yeah today's episode is sponsored by athena outfitters Athena Outfitters is a quality workwear brand for hardworking women that sells everything badass beauties need to get the job done from work boots to basics. They curate the toughest essentials made to help you perform every piece is handpicked to seamlessly slide right into your daily lifestyle from rugged and roguish weekday wear to effortless weekend flair. You can fill your closet with gear that can do it all. So for Christmas, I ordered my wife like a very nice pair of slippers from Athena Outfitters, and she loves them. Loves them so much that she has accidentally gone to the gym and the grocery store in them because they seem to never leave her feet. So definitely a place to go check out, go get the goods that help you not only out in the shop, but just in your daily uh, work around the house and outdoors. As a listener of the podcast, you can go to Athena Outfitters website and use coupon code MM, as in M&Ms, 15 for 15% 15 off any purchase. So again, you go to athenaoutfitters.com and use the code MM15 and get 15% off of your purchase at checkout. One thousand percent yes. Um, that's what I was yeah. actually thinking. I, I was actually thinking um, in leading up to our conversation today. Like, I've been hugely in my feelings today, just in around these anti-queer and anti-trans bills that are going around the country. Um, like the don't say gay yeah. law and um, yeah. Texas's law of like basically locking parents up and taking kids away uh, that are trans and getting trans health care. Um, and I mean, even in my own state of Iowa, the governor signed into law the the trans athlete bill. Uh, bill. Um, and it's just so hard. I think, I don't know if it's harder because I have kids and I just have a dream for them to be able to be themselves 100% fully. Um, and the idea that people are putting things in place that can stop that, that can bring real harm to them, that could cause them to feel like they have no value in this world. I just, um, I'm struggling with it today. <laughs> it's, uh, it is, um, it's, it's heavy and I just, I, I feel you on the, let's have those people who are resonating, like get behind us. It's the same feeling. Um, 
and, and I'm going to be participating in some, you know, campaigns coming up to raise money to fight these bills. Um, but I had to take a moment when asked to pause because I was being asked by a, a friend who is straight and I love her to death. I really, truly do. Um, but I was struggling because I was like, you know what, how about we let the the queer and the trans folk sit out on this one <laughs> and let, and let the yeah. people take the, the, the like huge burden that this is and fight it. Um, because it's yeah. just, it feels so fucking heavy right now. It just feels so heavy. And oh yeah. Like, oh, sorry, I can't, no, I was going to say, I, I want to be able to put myself mindset wise though also like in your shoes like you know trans mask identifying like california is not putting these bills forward thank god um yeah yeah <laughs> but but i, I even like, remember oh. i even remember being like my wife and i moved to california shortly after prop 8 passed and uh, it was a weird spot because at the time, Iowa, which nobody would think this, gay marriage was legal, but it was not legal in California because of Prop 8. So That's crazy. <laughs> and this idea, like we went through and we filed all the paperwork to be a legal partnership in California, as well as getting legally married in Iowa. So that, but like the idea of even just like, Okay, if we travel to a state where none of this is recognized, i.e. Florida, like if we traveled there for whatever reason, which trust me is not a desired destination for me, but um, yeah, no. if we went there and something happened to one of us and one of us got put in the hospital, we would have to have all of that documentation with us just to be able to see that person in the hospital. I mean, we, we had wow. a place like... Um, idea uh, conversations like because my wife is older than me of like saying like oh she's my mother or she's my aunt or whatever just to like bypass some of that stuff if we could um and same fears around once we had kids right like she's the also the legal parent of that child but depending on certain states you would travel to like what type of documentation would you need in case of emergency like all of those things and I feel like it's the same way for uh, trans people right now. It's like, you have to be careful where you even just go in this country. Yeah. Um, oh and your safety and like what happens to you if something happens to you in those spaces. Like, um, like is it okay for you even to go to a, a hospital if something happened to you? Um, will you receive care? Like, those are... Yeah real questions and real things that I don't think people understand that this community has to deal with. Yeah. And like, um, like, like, okay. So like resonating with like how much like the paper, the unnecessary paperwork that you have to like bring around and like, think about like when you just want to like travel with your family, right. like, um, I, yeah, like, I completely understand this, and, like, um, so this, actually, just yesterday, my updated ID um, with my new name and gender marker came in the mail, awesome. and, like, Congrats. yeah, thank you so much, like, <laughs> it, it was, like, a huge, huge, long process just to get here, and it, like, um, there was so much paperwork, and then, um for me in my process like I had my um so I had my top surgery uh excuse me uh, I had my top surgery um before like or at like the the same day that like um I was recognized by the state as Robin Ness okay um yeah so like um like and because I, since I did that, or like it happened to line up just like that, it was easier for me to get my name change done because mm -hmm. a part in the name change process is like, oh, you have to show proof that like, that like you really are trans. 
So yeah. like if I didn't have top surgery, like a month before my paperwork was being processed with the DMV, like it would have been a completely different story. Um, and they're like, that's insane, that makes sense? but, but yeah. that's insane to me that, that physically altering your body is required to change that. Yeah. <laughs> or like, um, it's like, it wasn't specifically required, but like, um, like for that you would have like if you didn't want to have top surgery um but you still wanted your name and gender marker changed you would have to get a note from the doctor saying that like they approved this and then that process also has like you have to take a certain amount of um like therapy sessions Mm -hmm. so that a therapist can approve you and like for that and um like it like this process also goes into like accessing gender affirming care because I was just like okay me as a trans mask non-binary person wanting gender affirming care why do I have to go through so many loopholes when straight folks who get um like breast augmentations or just any kind of um plastic surgery they could just if they have the money it's boom it's right then like no paperwork it's done so I was just like, like, it's that there's like a difference in like the lives that we live, yeah. like within the queer community and just so many like unnecessary obstacles. But um, yeah, like overall, like I feel so much safer going out now with mm-hmm. my ID because uh, yeah, like unfortunately transphobia does exist. And um, like the a few weeks ago, like I, I was walking on the street and someone across the street was yelling like, oh, are you a boy or a girl? And like I I was like super vulnerable because like one, I couldn't really protect myself since I was still recovering from surgery. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, please, like, don't don't like actually confront me, because like if you if someone were to like be like, oh, let me see your ID like at the time like it would have put me in a really unsafe position mm-hmm. so yeah it's just like I guess like I'm really glad that we're talking about this and like our like queer experiences in a society in a societal world that like is so binary and uh not a, not accepting as we would like it to be because it's really important to like have these experiences shared because like I know that I'm not the only person going through this. Mm-hmm. So it's like that solidarity in the, in the queer community. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I wish none of us had to go through it. I wish, um, yeah. I mean, I wish racism didn't exist. I wish all of these, all of these horrible, <laughs> horrible things didn't exist. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish, I wish it wasn't that we had to have, I wish these conversations weren't necessary because then we could spend all of our time just geeking out about power tools, which is really what we want to do. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. We're I'm not saying it. that in that sense at all. I'm just saying that like, this is why it's, and this is totally just my opinion, but this is why I think it is important to share and clarify about uh, our gender identification, about our sexual orientation identification, about our ethnicity or, you know, um, identification, like all of that, because all of that becomes lived experience, which is brought to our work. Um, And so I struggle sometimes with um, surprisingly enough, with more people within marginalized communities, not debating, but getting in this conversation of, of kind of back and forth where they're like, I just want to be a woodworker. And I'm like, I 1000% agree with you. That's all I want to be too. However, until the world stops seeing all the other things that I am, I can't just be a woodworker. Like, I have to keep talking about, oh. things, you know. Um, I think there's importance to that. Um, I think it's important to understand, you know, Robin Ness, who you are as a person, because all of that goes into your work. It 
100% does. It goes into your experience and your art and how you share yourself with the world. And that's important. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Cause yeah, I was just resonating with everything, a thousand percent everything. <laughs> Cause yeah, like to just be is like a huge statement in itself because there is all this underlying stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I guess I want, I do want to understand. So, okay, so 2016, that that's when you were looking at for a program in San Diego, right? Yeah. And so what's that connection, I guess, maybe between, you mentioned you were just kind of starting with the, you, you were using all three pronouns at, at the time when you went and did that tour and stuff, but what's been the interaction between, like has got, it has been getting into woodworking been still kind of like a therapy outlet for you as you've worked through um, this gender transformation? Um, okay, I would say like it's a, it's an and both kind of thing because um, like if, if I don't have any commissions lined up, then I'm like, okay, I got to get my work done. But um, now, like right now, since I don't have any commissions lined up, it's just like, okay, I could like relax and like use the space, like look at a piece of uh, scrap wood, see what I could like use with that or do with that. But um, all right, so like 2016, um, 2016, like towards the end of 2016 is actually when I came out as trans. Okay. Um, and like, uh, so before that, I was using all, all um, the pronouns like he, he, him, they, them, and she, her, mm-hmm. um, because I was just like, okay, like I want to practice being myself and like really step into myself. Um, and uh, around that time, I, I actually like learned what being non-binary means or what that, like I learned about identifying as non-binary for the first time so like having that new information um moving into 2017 I was able to be like oh yeah like I want to start going by Ness or Robin Ness and I want to use um maybe they them and he him for now and then um and then navigate like uh navigate like finding a creative space Mm -hmm. so um so within the year of 2017, that's when I lived in Portland okay. and I was, I was living with my partner's family and like that was like the biggest break I needed because uh, during that time I was taking a medical leave from, from the university I was going to. So like after I went to Mesa College and the community college, I transferred to the University of San Diego the fall of 2016 and like that transition was just like a a huge thing for me and it was kind of overwhelming so I was like okay I need a I need a little break like just here and then uh, towards the end of 2017 I got back on my feet I had started my transition like my medical transition Mm -hmm. in Portland Um, so that was really cool like December 1st was the first time I had my first tee shot so it was just like yeah. like oh my gosh this is awesome <laughs> yeah and like um like being in Portland like everyone was just really amazing you go down the the sidewalk and you see all these like um you, like you see all these signs of like oh love trumps hate and um all of these other like really inclusive signs and so it was just really nice to be there but then like coming back to San Diego I was like okay like I have a goal to like switch my major from communications to visual arts and that's exactly what I did so um the spring of 2018 is when I got into woodworking and I was in a wood shop for the first time and everything I was taught, like the basics of woodworking was taught to me by my amazing instructor, Brianna Riggs. Like uh, she taught me like 
Um, she taught me like how to use the power tools, what not to do. Um, <laughs> uh, she, <laughs> she, the first time I like held a, an impact driver, she was like, oh yeah, this one has a lot of kick to it. And I was like, oh, like, what do you mean? And then she was like, well, like if like you're drilling a nail down and it like it slips out of the like the socket, yeah, yeah. it could go right into yeah. your hand. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay. <laughs> Just casually telling me this. <laughs> but um, yeah, like she was really amazing as a instructor because she was also from Portland. So like, she was like, hey, like, I noticed that like um, you have a they them uh, uh, button on your jacket. Like, do you want me to use those pronouns for you in class? And like, um, it was just really like heartwarming because like she really expressed like what allyship looks like mm -hmm. in um, in a yeah in a creative space. And um, that class was really. Uh, really like nice because uh, she also taught that to other students mm -hmm. so when other folks would come up to me they would be like hey like do you want to remind me like your pronouns again uh what name do you want me to use uh how do you want to be addressed and I, i'll do my best and um so just to see that like see allyship really like working in a creative space was nice so yeah 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 that's like after that class, I started my own wood shop in my parents' place, and yeah. <laughs> rest is rest is history, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so is the is your small business like is that the only work you do now? Um, not anymore. Okay. Um, so I work at an ice cream shop that's also an art gallery. So oh, um, awesome. that's a really awesome combination. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. And like, um, I'm really excited to try and like get my own art up in the art gallery space. So mm -hmm. I could be like, hey, y'all want some ice cream and like, look at my art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey, makers, today's episode is sponsored in part by toolmomstore.com. At toolmomstore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs, they've got shirts, all kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag woodworker on it. And I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well. Um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout. If you enter the code maker mom, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action. Yeah, Are you? And then, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, um, I was just going to say uh, next week I'll be starting as a prep cook. So okay. technically I'll be working three jobs now. <laughs> <laughs> is, which is to me, I feel like the more, the more I'm on this path of like my own business, it's just the more my understanding grows of like all the very different ways you have to look to like making money. Cause you can't really do it just by like being in a workshop all day long. Like it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish it was. <laughs> oh, but yeah. I was gonna ask when you're um, making art, is it wood art or are you doing more uh, like another medium of visual art? Um, good question. <laughs> um, it's it's a lot of different mediums. Okay. Um, so like, if I were to like create art with wood. Um, that's when I would create like more sculptural pieces rather than like functional um, woodworking pieces. Um, a from Slightly Acute actually purchased one of my sculptures. Oh, so nice. um, <laughs> yeah, like that's like an example of like if I use my art mindset within woodworking. Mm -hmm. um, but besides that, like I do printmaking, um, like a lino cut making. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I'm fairly new to that. So I just picked it up three months ago. So okay. uh, it's been going really well. And it's it's nice because it like reminds me of how using a chisel and carving um, is for like woodworking. Mm -hmm. So it's cool when like the creativity intersects. Um, another thing I do is painting. Um, like right now I'm doing, I'm preparing for an art show on April, April 16th. So um, I'm like, okay, should I make a bunch of frames for all of these pieces I have? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It is. But, um, uh, besides printmaking, painting, uh, sketching, um, I also do photography, which uh, I'm in the works of trying to see how I can create photography into an actual business. Um, mm monetize that mm -hmm. because like you said it's it's hard to um be financially stable <laughs> with just being in the shop yeah 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 I uh but. I'm I I'm interested a little bit because of the you know in August I start my MFA program which is technically the first art school <laughs> I've ever done. Um, my background's more in engineering, so it will be interesting. But my, like you have a primary and then a secondary for the MFA program. And so my primary will be like furniture design, but my secondary, I've been kind of toggling between uh, printmaking, because I like yeah. the idea of learning like that, and then maybe being able to apply it for like upholstery type work. Or, um, or graphic design, which is more of an economical good choice because then I don't have to pay a graphic designer anymore. I can just do my own work, um, <laughs> 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 which is like, you know, they're all, every graphic designer I work with is well worth their money. Um, that's not to say I wish to pay somebody less. It's just that when you don't still are not making a profit at the end of the year, it's harder to justify some of those costs. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I feel that. Oh my gosh. Like, um, so like I've been taking on more vending opportunities mm -hmm. and I've been like, oh, maybe like people will like to see my woodworking skills and like, um, and like maybe if I like put it a little lower, like people would be like more like uh, enticed to like really support my work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like, I don't, I don't know, like, it's, I'm not sure if it's a, like a San Diego thing where like, oh, it's, it's it, like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I don't really know many like woodworkers here in San Diego. So, which is, I'm like, just like, so I was like the same way. I didn't know many personally, right? Like I knew them through, through the classes at Palomar, but like now that I don't live in the area, like I should just send you the immense list of West Coast makers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no. like, would be awesome. <laughs> oh, dang. Um, quite a few in the LA area, but there are a few in the San Diego area too. So, um, but yeah, it's like, man, why? Where were these people at when like I was there and like, trying to find cool people to hang out with? Um, and make yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, have you ever thought about um as far as like monetizing like going kind of the content creation route in addition to your physical making yeah um so actually yeah this is actually something i've I'm, i've been working on um which it's like it's like the last the last push is what needs to happen like so pretty much um uh, my partner's mom, she's uh, an affiliate marketer mm -hmm. who also like helps artists like promote their business. Mm -hmm. And um, she had given me this tip about Skillshare. And it's like, like all the videos I make on Instagram, like she was like, yeah, like all you have to do is just put it to Skillshare and like your videos would work well here. Mm -hmm. And um, she said the coolest thing about that is that Skillshare really helps with the passive income. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, like if you just make five videos, keep it on there for about a month or two, then you'll really start um, 
like seeing the passive income flow in because uh, Skillshare does the advertising for you. So like, this is what's like, like on the back burner. Like I have all of the content I need to create these videos, like 10 to 15 minute videos. That's like super in detail, but it's just taking the time to really sit down and create the videos with the subtitles and like, like, yeah, like to bring pretty much just plan it out and actually press that like yeah. upload button. Yeah. I've yeah. Done, <laughs> I probably should check out Skillshare. Like <clears throat> I have two classes, online classes available on Teachable. Um, and I went that route okay. just because like, like I hired somebody to help kind of just walk me through the steps of like how to build a online class. Um, to try to do that but the thing is it, it's teachable doesn't advertise for you so it's like I have to push it out like through my social media um you know and I've had a few people sign up but it's like it's still not turned into what I was hoping it would be which is a successful passive income um, yeah. <laughs> you know thing where it's like I don't have to constantly push it so I should check out Skillshare just to get a better understanding of like what the differences are and and all that yeah 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 like um to put it in like a better perspective like with specific numbers um like the way that I was told is like you make three to five videos keep it on there for about two months so that it could like circulate yeah and then from then you'll have at least a thousand to three thousand a month like uh really with um with passive income yeah, like it's like I didn't really realize that Skillshare is like has its own um like community. If like you think it's like similar to Patreon in a way cuz like the folks who like I think you have to like become a member and then pay the fees like monthly fees yeah. to have access to like these like infinite videos. Yeah. And I think that's the way it works. Um yeah. but yeah, like Whereas like teachable is like people can just buy that one course. So like, mm. like I have like one on using dyes to add color um, to wood projects and that like total, it's like a bunch, it's like five modules in total. And I think it's like an hour of time. And then I have a beginner power carving one that's two hours long with all the videos and stuff. Um, <clears throat> And each of those are, you can purchase them just for those individual classes. But yeah, I'll definitely check out Skillshare because especially with grad school coming, it's like, I need a way to like make money without physically working. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Um, something I've been telling myself is like, I don't understand NFTs, but I do understand how to make videos and yes. upload them <laughs> so I'm just like I'm gonna stick to that yes yes yeah I, I come on the side I fall on the side of nfts are just a scam just a way for like, rich people to try to make more money <laughs> Same. oh my gosh like my partner knows like once I hear the word nft I'm like oh geez again <laughs> yeah <laughs> But it's all downhill yeah. from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, no, I'm not gonna listen. Yes. Yeah. Um, how has your experience been um on I'm specifically curious on social media and especially like getting linked into the the woodworker and, and maker community on it on um I guess I'm thinking more specifically like Instagram. What's been your experience as far as um, like gender identity in those spaces? Um, I guess just, I just want to know your personal experience with that. Yeah. Um, so far, like with the way I have my Instagram set up, it's like I have my, my main one and then my, my, like woodworking and art ones. Mm -hmm. And then um and then since like most of my following like 
or like most of the people who follow both my woodworking and art Instagrams, they follow my personal one as well. So like, they're more aware of like, um, of like using inclusive language or, or uh, like neutral gender neutral language too. Um, so it's been really nice. And um, on my separate like a like um creative accounts mm -hmm. i will like i do experience some hate um but it's usually from outside influences that could also just be a bot too yeah so yeah, yeah but overall like my um like one thing i have been noticing with specifically the algorithm of instagram is that if i specifically put queer trans um like, like the hashtags like queer trans woodworker or queer artist um mm -hmm. then that post gets like zero views <laughs> or like very minimal mm -hmm. uh, and i think it goes along with like the new algorithm or like uh like this thing on instagram where you have to go to your settings and actually mm -hmm. like like do the work to make sure that you could see everyone's posts um that's like like so yeah pretty much overall the main issues i face with instagram and like my gender identity is the algorithm part okay yeah which is something also i would say like <clears throat> i've seen um plenty of creators say over on tiktok as well um tiktok's algorithm tends to downplay um black creators and queer creators so um it will push those <clears throat> kind of to the bottom and so like i mean and this is and this is actually more of advice just if i know people have asked me like well how do i like how do i get instagram to serve me more you know queer accounts or um uh, people of color accounts and stuff like that and I know that sometimes the way I've tricked the algorithm, if you will, is sometimes I will like unfollow a bunch of uh, white people that I follow. Um, I will like refollow them again later, but I'll unfollow a bunch of them. And then I'll just like search like all the things like the queer artist and um, black artist and uh, black owned businesses and, you know, like all of those hashtags and find more people to follow um and like do that repeatedly regularly um <laughs> because you have to like actively fight the algorithm it's going to yeah. continue to show you like if it's like oh you like woodworking stuff it's going to continue to show you like the 65 year old white man woodworking like it's going to continue to show you that even though you yeah. search for everything else <laughs> yeah oh my gosh I, yeah <laughs> like di diversifying the feed and like trying yes. to yeah, definitely. Like, I've, I've definitely had to do that. <laughs> yes, it's like an act of intention. Like you can't just expect it to just show it to you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I'm watching our, our time and we're getting close to the end of the time. So I want to make okay. sure, I know, want to make sure that <laughs> I get a chance to um, share with everybody how they can find you and, and see your work and stuff. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. So if y'all are interested in the work I do with uh, photography, woodworking, and my art, you could follow me uh, at RNA Woodworks or another account at RNA underscore artworks. And, um, and yeah, I believe uh, my website is also still up and running. So it's www rnawoodworks.com and that platform pretty much will take you to my Etsy, uh, my other social media accounts, and it's pretty much a one-stop shop there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Do you have Patreon? I didn't ask that. Um, I am currently like working up to that. Okay. <laughs> I have I, I have my Patreon um like membership made, mm -hmm. but I just have to finish my account. I just I don't really know what I would post on there but it's, well, a, it's a learning if you, if you figure that out you tell me because i have a patreon for the podcast and i will you know 
and I love my patrons over there. So those who are listening, thank you so much of <laughs> you over there that continue to support. Um, I always struggle with though, like I, I, I get told a lot that most of the time they're supporting the podcast, not because of like what they get in return, just to like support me and support the podcast. And so like, I struggle with engagements on like posts and stuff over there when I do put stuff um, because that's not what they're a patron for. Um, But then I struggle because Patreon always sends out their blog posts and it's always like, you know, create new things to like get engagement and then get new patrons. And I'm like, Ah. I don't know how how this works. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at right now. So I'm just like, I'm at the don't, I don't know what to do yet, yeah. but I'm just like, do I just make that first move, even though I have no idea? <laughs> I, uh, I am not the right person to ask. I have, <laughs> yeah, I don't, no I, I don't know. I mean, I think some people, um, I don't know if you follow Tiff of Night Carver Designs. She has a Patreon which I'm not a patron of, but I know she has a Patreon just for the night cover designs and she does like a monthly sticker club. And so like, if you're a patron, she turns one of her like wood signs, she'll put some up and say, okay, vote which one of these gets turned into a sticker. And so then the patrons vote which one they want a sticker of. And then she makes a sticker and sends those out, which is pretty rad. Yeah, it's super rad. And it gets that engagement. I will also say that's got to be a ton of work. Like that's just like I still owe probably six people T-shirts, and eventually they'll get them. <laughs> yeah, like eventually. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> um, but it, it's one of those things of like when you put together your tiers and you're figuring out like what somebody get for like you know a dollar a month or what does somebody get for seven dollars a month or whatever. Like you also have to be able to like back that up, right? Like you have yeah. to be able to meet yeah. that expectation. <laughs> Dang. All right, I'm definitely gonna like take all of this in because this is like super helpful. Dang. <laughs> yeah, I would say like, yeah, I would reach out to Tiff and like pick her brain because I feel like hers is probably pretty successful. Um, especially based on like following ratio if that makes sense like I know Patreon you know like um Chris Salamone of Four Eyes like his patron Patreon is hugely successful but he's also like a big YouTuber so it's kind of like you know oh dang yeah like like comparing like where you are with followers based on how successful you are with that kind of stuff yeah Sorry, I'm like nope, moving <laughs> locations. But <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where's the charger? <laughs> you're good. <laughs> um, well, I will I'll say thank you so much, Robin, for chatting today and for sharing your story with me and the listeners. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. It's like it was really like an honor to be on a guest on your podcast. Like as like the first trans masculine non-binary fo- like person i'm just like what <laughs> yeah awesome awesome all right so again that was robin ness of rna woodworks um i will include the link on how you can follow along with him in the show notes for today's episode best places to find that are the description on your podcast app if you're watching this on the freeman furnishings youtube channel check the description box down below and then lastly you can head on over to freemanfurnishings.com forward slash podcast to find this uh, episode as well as all the past episodes Make sure to follow along with the podcast over on Instagram. That's at Crafting a Revolution. And that is where you can find all the ways to support the podcast right there with the link in the bio at Crafting a Revolution on Instagram. Uh, There's a link that will send you to Patreon if you want to do, um, if you want to support the podcast on a monthly ongoing basis. There is a link if you want to do just like a uh, one-time or an occasional donation, you can do that there as well. And then if you want to support the podcast uh, because you're enjoying it, 
but not necessarily in a monetary way, you can make sure that you share about the podcast and then head on over to iTunes and leave a review. That really helps uh, broaden the range that the podcast gets because the more um, reviews and more likes and more subscriptions, then the more that the algorithms will help push the podcast out. So all of those are the ways that you can help the podcast continue to grow as we do year over year. So thank you so much for that. Um, and while you're over there on Instagram, again, at Crafting a Revolution, then you can also say hi to your hosts, myself, Katie Freeman. You can find me at Freeman Furnishings and uh, see whatever crazy project I'm up to, whether it's power carving or resin or just doing a dance in the shop. And uh, you can also say hi to my co-host Katie Thompson at Women of Woodworking. That is one of her uh, passion projects that she's been running for quite some time now. Uh, you can also find her under uh, Pen and Chisel as well. So Next week, there will be just one brand new episode. In the meantime, let's get on out there and uh, craft a revolution.